Well, hey there, friends, and welcome back to the show. This week, I have a special guest with me, Stephanie Paul, and we're going to spend time talking about the importance of communication, and even more importantly, the value of storytelling, as well as other little tips and tricks on being memorable in your communication. Now, this is something we've touched on on previous episodes, and I know that you are very much aware of it because it's talked about quite regularly, just about everywhere. There's discussions about leadership, career, anything around these topics, and that is the power of story. Our human brains are wired for story, and as you're about to hear more from Stephanie about why it is that case and how we can really use and leverage that for our leadership skills, for leading ourselves, for leading others. So here we go with the episode. We're going to hear from Stephanie all about storytelling and communication. Well, hey there, I'm Liz St. Jean, and this is the Unruly Leadership Podcast, where I help subject matter experts like you design a career on your terms. It's where strategy meets intuition to help you break the rules, ignore the rules, and make your own damn rules. So let's break free from perfectionism, imposter thoughts, and that inner rule keeper that's keeping you in your career comfort zone. It's time to become unapologetically you and step into the life you were meant to live. We're going to talk presence, productivity, career, and having it all. Or as my four-year-old would say, we're going to take over the world. So let's get to it. So Stephanie is the author of Unlock the Magic of Story, How to Use Neuroscience Secrets to Engage and Influence Any Audience. Now Stephanie trains and coaches executives, sales teams, TEDx speakers, women in leadership, and experts of all kinds to become master communicators. And she really believes that if your presence doesn't make an impact, then your absence won't make a difference. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show, Stephanie. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. So I'd love to jump right in and learn about your story around how you got into leadership and communication coaching, because I know it's not a usual one. Um. Yeah. And I've got an unusual background for, I suppose you could say, the competitors in my market. <laughs> I had 20 to 25 years experience in the entertainment industry. So I started performing at a very young age. By the age of four, I was doing ballet, dancing. And by the age of 10, I was doing drama classes. So by the time I was 16, I was professionally shooting commercials. I had the opportunity to travel around the world. I basically came home and told my parents I was moving to Italy when I was 18. And um, that was through a modeling contract. And then eventually I settled in New York, met my ex-husband, decided to go into the acting field. And when I wasn't on stage or on camera, I was always in the background producing, directing, or doing some kind of production work. So I have a very holistic understanding of the whole film and television industry. And um, then when I moved out to Los Angeles, I decided I wanted to differentiate myself. So I became a stand-up comedian and did that for 10 years. I was teaching at a local theater 
and one of my students was a professor from Chapman University and he said to me you know you should take this into the corporate world and I went <laughs> that'd be ridiculous I was like what can what what do I know about the corporate world and there was an article written about me in a local newspaper because they thought it was cool that I play the president of the United States in two sci-fi comedy films and they thought it was just cool that a woman from New Zealand was local and they did this article on me and I had my first two clients they came out of the woodwork and said can you help me with this and so I started my journey as a coach and a trainer and I got business coaches and mentors and joined um, peer groups and all that kind of stuff and most of my clients come from tech and biotech industries and I knew that I couldn't approach tech or biotech industries and sort of say you know hey I've got this really amazing skill set holistic from the entertainment world um, I'm going to teach you how to communicate better with an audience um, so I dove into the science and the neuroscience and the biology and why those techniques like humor and laughter and storytelling are so important for our biology if we really want to engage and influence an audience and that has brought me to where I am today. I have a leadership certification. I have a life coach certification. I'm certified in five behavioral and psychological um, assessments. And initially, I just started working with speakers and presenters. And then that kind of morphed into leadership teams and women in leadership and individual coaching as well as team coaching. So essentially, I suppose you could say I'm a communication expert and a storytelling expert because the most powerful story you'll ever tell is the one between your ears and mindset and belief system has a lot to do with how we show up and how we self-lead ourselves, i.e. therefore to lead a group of people following us. Uh, well, I know for sure my audience will love that. So we talk a lot about where strategy meets intuition on this podcast. I love that melding together of the creative and the, the scientific so you and I had actually met through a Facebook group, the Peloton mm -hmm. Moms in Leadership. Shout out to Melissa and her group. Mm -hmm. And wanted to hear from you about, you know, why is understanding self and the, the self-leadership so incredibly important when we're leading other people? That is a great question. So I don't know if people know what DISC is, but DISC is probably one of the most well-known assessments out there next to Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders. And DISC is our observable behavior. So it's D stands for dominance, how you um, show up for problems and challenges or how you approach problems and challenges. I stands for influence, how you influence and persuade others to your way of thinking. S stands for steadiness, the way you show up and pace yourself. And C stands for compliance. I like to say how naughty you are, but compliance really stands for how you comply to the rules and regulations set by others. And the reason why DISC is such a great example is because it's observable behavior. And we, whether we know our values or not, our values depict our behavior. And so if we're not self-aware with our own self-leadership, our actions will not be congruent with our words. And I can talk about the science behind it. Every single human behavior expert that I have studied under, spoken with, read their books, created friendships with, they all say the same thing. Your values will depict your behavior. So if you want to lead others, then you better have some integrity and some morals and some values and be congruent with your words. And that's why self-leadership is so incredibly important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I remember my own 
foray into this whole world was in values work. And I've always told my, my people I work with, like I write down my values in every new journal I get. My first page is always the values. It's so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Now, the other incredibly important thing that I know you know a lot about is storytelling. And I'd love to hear more about, you know, we, we hear that it's important, but you know, why is it so important? And you know, what, what are, what are you so passionate about? It just, it makes so much sense. It's like peeling back the layer of the onion and most people, when they come to me and, and I, and I, and I say, I want to see where their knowledge and understanding of story is before I even start, you know, that's why the book for me is so great because I can now, you know, a client signs up with me or a team signs up with me, buy the book, read the book before the training, you'll, have a download to my brain and you'll understand where we're going to go because you know there is the forgetting curve right and I talk about it actually in the book where we learn something we forget it we learn something we forget it we learn something we forget it unless we repeat in certain ways people don't remember stuff so the book is just such an asset to me now and when we go to communicate with other people we create that communication whether it's preparing for a meeting whether it's a presentation whether you're going to be speaking regardless of that message and and what type of message it is we create that message if we think about it right because some people just stand up and wing it oh yeah I just you know and that that can also be detrimental to our health (laughs) but we create the message with our neocortex and so if you think about I don't have a visual to give you but there you know I do have a brain in the book and I explain it with the visuals in the book but we create a message with our neocortex and that is where logic reason and language is created in the brain And we forget that that message, in order to be received by another brain or another human, it has to travel through two prehistoric brains first, one being the reptilian brain, which is fight or flight and instinctual only, and the next one being the mammalian brain, which is the limbic and um, amygdala system. And those two brains do not understand language, logic, or reason. So unless your message is created in a way that excites those two parts of the brain and they're like, oh, is this risky? Oh, is this novel? Was this exciting? What is this? You know, or is this funny? You know, it it doesn't mean you have to be a, a comedian, but you have to emotionally deliver that message in some way because a large percentage, like some, depending on which expert you're talking to, it's 73 to 93% of our communication is nonverbal. So if you are not delivering that message in a nonverbal, engaging, influential way, then essentially you're just throwing words at somebody else's brain and they may or may not hit. And that message may or may not go upstairs. But when we create it with developing story, with emotional delivery and emotionally words and like things that elicit visuals in somebody else's brain, like a great way to exp- express this, and this because we are an audible is if I was to say, eat this, it's a chocolate banana, it's really delicious, I've tasted it myself. Okay, this is how a lot of people deliver messages, right? <laughs> Out in the corporate world. Not, you probably switched off halfway through and looked at your phone, I don't know. But if I said, eat this chocolate banana, oh my God, it's delicious. I've tasted it myself, I'm going back for more. You know, I changed my intonation and my voice, I created a visual, you saw the chocolate banana. I don't know if you saw, you might've even seen whipped cream on it and strawberries, who knows what your favorite visual is. But when we create visual with the way we describe something, the way we say it, things like that, we entice the limbic system. And the other thing about persuasive messaging is 
we cannot make a decision without going back to our limbic system and saying, how do you feel about that? So if the neocortex goes, okay, the, the car is the right price. It's got the right mileage on it. Um, it looks good. I like the color, but how do I feel about it? You always go back to your limbic system, which has no language, logic, or reason to make a decision. And we cannot make a decision without that input emotionally and it's been scientifically proven with neuroscience so I think that may answer your question why storytelling is so important and as I said a lot of my clients show up thinking they're bringing me a story because I'll say write down the story write down your story I mean especially when they're speakers because you know we, we start with some form of script and I'm like you know write down your story so I can see where you're at and then I can see how they understand language or enticing words or emotional words or pausing and things like that. And if most of the time, I'd say 90% of the time, they write me a list, a list of items, as I would say, you know, I, I woke up in the morning, this is just a bad example, but I woke up in the morning, I got out of bed, I put my shoes on, I walked into the bathroom, um, I took a shower, then I went into the kitchen and I had breakfast. See, this that's a list of items to me versus oh God, I just didn't want to get up out of bed this morning. I had a hangover from last night. Oh. But I swung myself out of the bed and I pulled myself up into a seated position. And then I sat there for a couple more minutes just holding on to how I feel. before that That's more of a story, right? So we feel emotional. We connect to it already. And we're going, oh yeah, God, I've been there. Whether I mean, I don't know if everybody's had a hangover, but you know. <laughs> But that's the difference between a list of facts and story. And the way our brain receives story is you can give us all the data and facts you want, but when it's wrapped in story and emotion, it becomes truth to our brain. And that's where the influential and persuasive aspect of it comes in. I love that. And I can see how how incredibly important it is, like you're saying, because it would probably transcends most communication, like all communication would have that piece of storytelling to it or bringing story into it. Mm -hmm. And one area I was really curious to hear from you about for the stories is when we're talking about executive interviews or interviews in general, but especially at the executive level, like, you know, you, you read the monster.com article saying you should have stories. And I'm wondering what you would add to that like you what are what suggestions you have for people or maybe what are some things that they really should be thinking of that they might not be thinking about when they're developing their stories for these you know, job interviews or executive recruitment opportunities Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have a lot of clients that often shift or transition while we're working together into new positions or, you know, especially in the biotech world where things explode and deploy every now and you know, like and bloody, it's like grow, they grow at 100 miles an hour and then they, you know, deplete their staff really quickly too, depending on what kind of money coming in and out the door. In those scenarios, especially if, I mean, most people don't generally get to interview all the time, all day long, right? Especially if you're in transition or you're making the, the decision to like, I hate my job. I want to leave from here and I'm going to go and find something else. And, you know, all those kind of things. That, that's a great position to be in. Um, but when we're laid off or something like that, um, that can send us into a downward spiral. We could be nervous. We have imposter syndrome, especially as women. A lot of my women in leadership, they don't think of themselves where they should think of themselves. And they don't have that confidence, even though they're at a director level or an executive level or a VP level or something like that um you know it's it's that old thing of like oh well and I, and I don't know what the statistic is off the top of my head but you know women will say 
they're not ready for a position or they they shouldn't apply for a position um, because they don't have all the credentials when men will have 60 40% of the credentials and say that they're perfect for the job. So, you know, it's it's a mindset, once again, belief system, the story that you're telling yourself between your ears. So I think when preparing those types of stories, uh, sometimes it's easier to get outside of yourself and ask other people or colleagues, if you still have those relationships, go back with them and get them to remind you. I did a simple exercise with one of my women in leadership recently where she was laid off she came to me just feeling like she'd had the rug removed under her feet because she built that business from ground up. It was like going through a divorce, you know, she wasn't in a really great space and we worked with the assessments. We worked through and looked at her strengths and her opportunities for growth. I sent her out into the world to ask a bunch of questions of her friends and her colleagues and get them to give her feedback. That exercise in itself gave her strength and her value we did a values exercise. We drilled down on what her values are. She elevated every exercise we did. She actually really put herself into it hundred percent. She's now in a great position. She's being offered things left, right, and center. And so those stories that you prepare for those meetings, there's actually a really good book out there. It's called Healing Career Wounds. And it's written by a friend of mine who's a recruiter in the tech industry. And it's written for like HR departments and things like that and other recruiters. However, if you spin it, you can use the knowledge for somebody who is interviewing, you know, if you are going out for an executive role or a level above yourself or things like that, there's a, there's a list of questions in that book that's really, really helpful. And I use it for my clients and I, I rewrite those questions and things to fit their scenario to help them. But having the confidence to write your stories in a succinct and emotional manner so that you can tell those stories in those interviews. Cause you know, a lot of people are now starting to ask values and culture-based questions. You know, this scenario happened, how did you deal with it? Um, and knowing how to tell those stories without throwing anyone under the bus, showing any form of anger, like, you know, even towards a negative boss, that you, you know, who was a narcissist and you never, you know, whatever. The most beneficial way to tell those stories is to be sincere, transparent, and empathetic of the scenario and the situation, and do your best to explain the leadership role that you took in that position. I talk about it in the book. There has been studies done that the four top things that we seek in other people is sincerity, transparency, empathy, and humor. A lot of people are terrified of humor but I always say that you are the funniest person you know <laughs> because there's nobody out there who hasn't laughed with their family, made their children laugh, made their colleagues, their friends laugh because most of what we laugh at is common denominators. It's got nothing to do with stand-up. It's got nothing to do with jokes. It's silly little things that happen throughout the day that we share with each other. And people shouldn't be afraid of humor. Using appropriate humor in the right scenario can be something that is sort of a bit of a trial and error situation but you shouldn't be afraid of humor because laughter is the most contagious behavior we have and it bonds and connects us very quickly and some experts and research will show that we had laughter before we had language and there are studies done that prove that animals laugh and that laughter or majority of laughter is actually generated through our limbic system which is basically the mammalian brain and it's what your mammals your cat your dog have in their head you know so when they're panting and having a good time and wagging their tails and playing around they're pretty much laughing based on the research 
That's awesome. And yeah, I love that section in your book. So anyone who's thinking about getting the book, I definitely recommend even just for that section alone. So it was so just a simple way of seeing humor and you gave some really good examples on it too. So I thought that was awesome. The other piece that I, I loved in your book, and I wanted to tease out a little bit more in this interview, is you talked about um, being memorable and the neuroscience of being memorable. Mm. And I would love to know if you have any specific you know, action steps or kind of a how to's that you that you've seen work that consistently work, like if someone's like trying to be memorable, maybe struggling with it a bit, and could just use it just a little bit of support in becoming more memorable. Well, believe it or not, I actually organized a special gift for your audience. I have a downloadable PDF. It's called the 12 steps to present powerfully and with purpose to engage any audience. And that has 12 tips um, a lot of them are in my book, but uh, um, it's it's a faster, much read, better read than my book, I guess. If, if you only want 12 pages to read, then you'll get something out of it for free. Uh, and you can get that at stephaniepaulinc.com forward slash powerful gift. So that's Stephanie Paul, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-P-A-U-L-I-N-C.com forward slash powerful gift and um that will actually give uh, them a bunch of stuff that they can look at and think about that'll help engage um and influence an audience amazing so everyone listening I'll also dropped in the show notes so both here wherever you're listening or on the site you'll be able to get access to it to that link and Stephanie, this has been amazing. It's so fun to talk to you. I could keep talking about this forever. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Can you let people know where else they can find you? If they want to look you up, want to work with you or want to follow you or, or get your book, which by the way, it's super accessible, it's very approachable read. So I definitely recommend it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And if you read it, please write me a review, review Sorry, on Amazon. Actually, the Audible should be coming out end of this year, beginning of next year, but we're, we're doing a full-blown production on it with sound and music and things like that. So because there's so many stories in there. Uh, but you can find me on LinkedIn forward slash Stephanie Paul Inc. Inc. Again, Stephanie Paul Inc. Obviously my website, stephaniepaulinc.com. Um, I have a Facebook group called Executive Storytellers. You can find me there and get more tidbits. Uh, and um, and if you want to email me directly, um, you can email us at help for you, which is H-E-L-P, the number four and the letter U, stephaniepaulinc.com. So that's help for you at stephaniepaulinc.com um, and you will get an email back from one of my assistants. So that is how you can get hold of me. Amazing. And just like the other PDF link, we'll have all of those in the show notes. So you'll have the easy way to get a hold of Stephanie, link up with her and check out everything she has to offer. So Stephanie, thank you again so much for being here. I so appreciate it. No, my deepest gratitude for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, if this podcast helped you or inspired you in any way, I would love for you to leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. It takes about 20 seconds, if that, and it's, it's honestly the easiest way for you to thank me for this episode. Every time I see a review, it brings me so much joy and it just lights me up. So if you could do that for me, I would be ever so grateful. Now, the other thing you can do is you can take a screenshot of this episode or even a screenshot of your review and send it to a friend 
or share it in a Facebook group, or even post on your LinkedIn newsfeed to let other people know about this podcast and this episode. Thanks again. And now get out there and start breaking some rules.